Hello, everyone. This is Reb Brad, and you're listening to the podcast From the Touchline, a production of Soccer Chaplains United. I recently had occasion to visit Cambridge, England, and while I was there, I was interested to learn a unique piece of football history. Apparently, the first known instance of codifying, or writing down, the rules of association football, or what we Yankees call soccer, happened in Cambridge. Story goes that in 1848, a group of Cambridge University students wrote out a set of 11 rules, and they nailed these to the trees surrounding Parker's Peace, a large grassy park in the heart of central Cambridge. Today's rules of the games have evolved and changed, but it's interesting to go back and see how these Cambridge rules had an impact on the beautiful game. For the next several weeks, we're going to talk through the original football rules and talk about some parallel spiritual life lessons. Stay tuned. We take a look at this week's rule in a moment. He's found the space, and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. the corner, goes towards the near post, and you're the angle, and what a goal! What a goal! Rule 3. After a goal, the losing side shall kick off. The side's changing goals, unless a previous arrangement be made to the contrary. Today's rule is closely related to last week's. Here, the losing side is given a slight advantage, starting with the ball, and also the opportunity to change sides. Nowadays, this rule has been altered. Teams only change sides after a particular period of play, like the first half, or if there's additional periods of play in certain competitive formats. The Cambridge rule here, though, is aiming towards fairness for both teams, even though both teams may not be equal in other regards. Now, I'll confess, as I set out to do this podcast series on the Cambridge rules, I thought, oh, there's football rules. It's going to be easy to find spiritual lessons or biblical parallels to talk about for each of these. And truth is, I don't think it's going to be as easy as I thought. But for today's rule, I've had a little bit more time to think about it. And one of the questions I've asked is, where in the Bible is there an illustration or an example that comes at least a little close to matching up? I I was thinking through, is there a moment in Scripture where this concept of fairness or giving an advantage, even turning the field of play around, might have at least a little correlation? Well, one comes to mind, although not a perfect fit, out of the Old Testament, and it comes out of ancient Israel's land and property practices. You can read more about this in the book of Leviticus, chapter 25. In that chapter, God sets forth commands about the land and people taking a Sabbath rest every seven years. And after a period of seven Sabbaths, there was a special 50th year called the Year of Jubilee. Now, this past year, England celebrated a platinum jubilee for Queen Elizabeth, marking her 70 years of reign. And we remember her fondly today as her body was laid to rest Monday in a a funeral service. But in Israel's Sabbath years and in jubilee years, debts were canceled, slaves were freed, and the land was rested. In years of jubilee, all property was to be returned to its original owner, You see, for Israel, God allowed the transactional sale of land to pay for debts or if someone had a need, 
but it was always done with a view towards jubilee. So for example, if I needed some money, I had a little bit of land I wasn't using for crops or harvesting, I could sell, it's, and actually lease is a better word for that, I could, I could lease that land to someone. The price that I would lease that included consideration that in X number of years, the land would be returned to my family. Now, can you imagine if this was at all in practice in our modern era today? Can you imagine figuring out a rental or sale price with property reverting back after 50 years? I think this would be near impossible. But the point of these regulations was to prevent land grabs. It was to prevent people from hoarding wealth and, and from people um, just raising up prices and price gouging so much. You see, God always cares for his people and takes care of his people. And they can and should trust and depend on him for those things. The other thing that the Jubilee rules did was to make sure that people could hold on to hope. You know, even if they were to go through a bit of a bad time or a bad patch, maybe they had a family member making bad decisions. The Jubilee rules make sure that people don't end up with hopelessness and, and depressed that their family would be destitute forever or could never recover from some fiscal or farming downfall or adversity. Now, in all fairness, scholars say it's really hard to tell if Israel ever really practiced the year of Jubilee with its land and property returns as God commanded. But for our intents and purposes today, we can say with confidence that the design of Sabbath and Jubilee was to make sure that the poor were given consideration and the cycles of slavery and land ownership weren't just an endless progression of the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. Repeatedly in Leviticus 25, God commands, do not take advantage of each other. And this is where I think there's a parallel with our Cambridge rule number three today. You know, there will always be places and moments in football and in life where an opponent is better, stronger, and faster. But if the beautiful game creates breaks, opportunities for advantage to go to the weaker side, and if God has commands in the Bible to the same effect, then I think it's safe to say it makes a strong case for some principled living. No matter what business or game or other places of life, we need to practice this we should not seek to take advantage of others. It's not ruling out business or competition. It's just leveling the field a bit. So let's take this encouragement. Let's practice fair play and fair business practice. I think that's the beauty behind this Cambridge rule of 1848.